our love for all things four-wheeled. Coming out of school, I had no idea the path to take or how I could use this passion and make it into a career. I tried planning it out and ensuring that I had everything under control. But as time went by, I've realised that no matter how hard you plan for the long term, life has a way of surprising you. And if you told 18-year-old Harry that now he would be doing a podcast, speaking to CEOs, influencers and race mechanics, he would have been speechless. Just a quick one. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I just ask if you haven't already, please click follow or subscribe wherever you are listening. It takes two seconds and it really helps the podcast reach new people. I would love if the episode today would help just one person discover something new or help them on their journey in their career. So thank you. Hey there. I want to give a huge thank you to this episode sponsor, Forge Motorsport. They are all about instilling confidence and enabling performance in everything they do. And the point of this podcast is to help those listening forge the love of cars. So, lucky podcast listeners, you are getting 50% off parts, tuning, and more to help you and your car perform confidently. To get that 50% off, visit www.ignitionpod.com or you can find the code in the show notes below. The code doesn't include brakes, but don't let it stop you from heading over there and making your project feel more race car than pace car. Forge Motorsport, thank you again for sponsoring the podcast and helping people do more with their passion for cars. Now, with that being said, back to the episode. But now I get to speak to amazing people like Seren, a young man determined to claim the title of the world's first Sikh Formula One driver. And after hearing today's episode, you will be as sure as I am that he is going to do it. Seren has had a hard time at school with people not accepting him for who he was and then further on at the cart track, being abused verbally and hated upon for the colour of his skin and the religion he chose to practice. Seren has put that all behind him though, focusing on his diploma as much as his racing lines. If you want to hear more about how he motivates himself and pushes to reach new levels, then don't go anywhere, because here is what to come. I don't know if I should scream, I don't know if I should cry, I don't know if I should be running up and down the stairs, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. In every situation, I've always moved forward. I've, I've always progressed. I did let it get into my head. People in my school were just taking the mick out of me. I used it as motivation to help me like, pass through my exams and little tests here and there. I'm up at 5 a.m. going to the gym. So there's a lot of self-motivation involved. It's not easy. I always think do it for your racing and it just keeps me into gear straight away. And it's mainly my family um, and my friends who say that you can do it if, if you put your head to it. And honestly, it's just having the right people around you and making a lot of sacrifices for it as well. My dad has, has told me straight up that if he didn't believe I could do it, he wouldn't be doing it in the first place. Saren, welcome to the podcast. How are we? Hi, Harry. Um, I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So there's a little question I like to start with, and that is, what ignited your passion for cars? It all started off from from a young age when I was around six years old. It was in 2007, and my dad has always been into cars way before I was born. So um, he used to watch Formula One in his garage, and I stumbled across it, and 
it was on the last race of 2007, which was in Brazil. And um, I saw the red car that, that won in that year. And it turned out to be Kimi Raikkonen who won his first championship. And that's how I got the love for it. And yep. then in 2011, we went on a little holiday in Cyprus. And we went to a little karting track after a water park. And I was initially in shorts and flip-flops and a little damaged biker hat, but <laughs> and, um, and it all really started off from there, really, with all the racing. Yeah, brilliant. So what was it in that day you went karting that you went, right, this is cool. I want to do more of it. What was the thing that triggered that? So it was when my parents and my sister saw a different side of me from from just having being the like jolly self and then sitting in a car and just having a straight face, fully focused. And that's when they discovered that, okay, so he's going to be into racing and it's not going to be a cheap sport to do. <laughs> so was, was it different from your, like, I don't know how your academic life by that point was, so when you when you showed that focus and determination, were you showing that at school as well? Or was it something that they, it was really yeah. sort of characteristic um, for you? So school life was quite difficult because um kind of being the only one that that started racing it got it got a lot of backlash where people in my school were just taking the mick out of me because mm. they never really had someone to do with racing it was always to do like with rugby football like the typical sports yeah but when they heard that i was racing then it backlashed it because i didn't really like it but I used it as motivation to help me like, pass through my exams and little tests here and there to just help me fight through and just to get out of school, really. Yeah, so why do you think that was that happened? Was it, was it because you were showing something different from the norm? I generally think it was, yeah, just because they never really heard of like racing. Like Racing was always, like people wouldn't think racing is, is a sport. Mm. It's just something else, but for it to be a first it got like it got a lot of attention but for the wrong reasons that i would say in the school because yeah. back then like times were different for me in school so it was just a bit tough but still push through it regardless of what people were saying yeah so was it was it just words that how, how was how was it for you if you didn't mind there was there's a lot of words that they would say oh yeah that I was I was faster than you like on this weekend and etc. Basically, they were just trying to wind me up about it. Mm. And I do admit I did I did let it get into my head, but it was mainly through year ten and eleven where I personally just closed every like everyone off and I just focused on myself. Where it got to the point where in class I just had my earphones in and just doing my work because. At that point, teachers knew how much racing meant to me. They somewhat understood it to an extent. So they just let me just do pretty much my own thing. Yeah. And so that, that isolation, I guess that, that's probably helped you in your, yeah, your like racing it was, career. It was tough because for me as a young, as a, well, my, my younger self, I was always trying to be a people person, trying to be one of the crowd. But then I realized that in, in the world of racing, you pretty much be just yourself and obviously your family. And then it's up to the other people who would who would decide if they want to be part of it or if they just want to use it, use it for their own benefit. Hmm. So it's it was tough and it was a it was a reality check. I can say yeah. it myself. So 
the reality check kind of came in, I'll say too early, but it's helped me now as yeah, as I just recalled my first sponsor, like shout out to House of Kalsa, who's a watch brand, like one yeah. of the first Seek watch brands. Um that happened literally a few hours ago. So it's it showed that the independence and just keeping your head down and just keep just keep working hard, it'll somehow have its way. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's a testament to your, your character and your resilience then to be able to keep and going, keep carrying on and, and not letting sort of um, things like your religion or your, your, your sport, you having the isolation and moving through to, to building that resilience and, and getting your first sponsor, which is amazing. How has that become... I don't know, how's that become a, of a trait? How did that, how did you, how did you build that up, that resilience? So it was because it, when it was in my karting career, it, I was taking it seriously. I was doing what I can with what I've got. Um, then I went into college where the karting side kind of stopped because things got out of hand, like drastically out of hand where I would be like targeted on the track because when me and my dad raced because it was just the father and son team mm. we would get a lot of backlash purely just because we were the only asians racing so i still won a championship for, like through that until i had mm. a few wins and a few podiums then it got to the point where i lost the championship due to that to be being taken out and a lot of verbal and like racial abuse mm. so that's what drove us away from the karting scene because it got to, it got to my dad's head and my head in particular because we got so much crap from it that it was just causing more damage to us yeah obviously the expenses weren't as good as then so then so a bit a lot of resilience from then because we still carried on still powered through it because to to my dad like his dream is for me to race so then when the karting career ended, then I thought I wasn't going, going to race again. So I lost my my mentality. I put on a lot of weight, training stopped. Then two years later, dad just surprised me and goes, we're going to go and, and meet a British F3 team. And then literally within that day, snapped back into gear. Then we had my first test in 2019 for F3. We had a, a sponsor back then lined up and then that backlashed on us as well. <laughs> so it was a lot of moving forward and then going backwards. Yeah. And it was the fact of accepting the rejection, which is, I would say that one of the hardest things as a driver is to accept that things won't always obviously happen and it's always unpredictable. Sure. So it took us a few years we've been funding it, funding the testing ourselves which hasn't been easy and only this year and from my last test in july things are only now starting to progress forward and it's a lot of physical and mental training that goes behind it i'm in the gym four or five times a week sometimes yeah. even twice a day to just build up that mentality strength of just keep moving forward no matter what happens Yeah, because one day just building that mentality of just keep pushing forward no matter what happens because mm. I'm not and I always say to myself that if you get knocked down 
it's your decision to either stay down or, or get back up again. And I always try and push myself to get back up again because it's racing or nothing for me. Yeah, brilliant. And so you, it's funny you mentioned um, kids at school not, not thinking this was a sport, but yet you said you're training two, two yeah. maybe one, twice a day. You're you're going through all of that. So what, what makes F, F1, F2, F3 a sport for you? What, what, what does that signify? It signifies to me that is like it is my passion. It's what's helped me through a lot of difficult times. Mainly as well that my dad has has told me straight up that if he didn't believe I could do it, he wouldn't be doing it in the first place. And each time I've gone out in the F three car, I've always moved forward. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always progressed each time I've gone out because between the karting career and the F3 chapter, I haven't done any type, any sort of racing beforehand. Yeah. So going from a kart to, 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 to jump in an actual proper spec race car. Of course. And my first test day was in, was in Pembury and it was the worst conditions. It's just rain. <laughs> um, but it's when I excelled and it hit us all that. And to me that, okay, I can actually drive. <laughs> it's yeah. not just it's not just me just winging it. It's just coming down to my pure abilities and and everything. And then that's how it's all continued now because people are just now starting to see it. And I'm trying to be the first Sikh Formula One driver, and that hasn't been done yet in F1. So that's what my goal is, and that's what's driving me forward. As that's what I really want to achieve. Like, yeah, I won't rest until i get it no matter how long it will take that's brilliant and don't take this the wrong way but why why become the first seat racing driver why not just become the best racing driver you can be why why put a label on it it's because in being a seek there hasn't really been much like recognition in racing yeah it's yeah well, that's all i can i can say really is that it's always gone into football or like doctors or etc. Like not saying anything bad, but it's being a seeker in racing, it's something that hasn't been done and it's not known. And now it's starting to get realised. And and as well as a driver, I'm trying to be the best version of myself each day, trying to improve each day as well. So that's what I believe why it it stands out because it hasn't been done in in the in like my community. And uh, and so far, a lot of people are are rooting for me to make it as it's as, as even people are saying that it hasn't been done and, and literally you're writing history as, as you're doing it yeah and so i mean i was i, I was i've been raised christian for the past um, 18 odd years and there are certain values and teachings in, in the bible and whatnot that, that i kind of carry with me regardless yeah. of the faith that i have now so being a sikh and, and the teachings and then the values in that religion what what align into your day-to-day what what did you take from take from that and put it in your day-to-day so even though that that we're Sikh that I'd say that there are Sikhs who who do it by the book but mm-hmm. with how me and my family do it we're more on the more on the like the relaxed side of things that like we still do our beliefs faiths present etc because we just do it in a different way yeah so let's say for instance that 
I would wear something on my wrist, which is black, and it would keep all the negative vibes out the way. Like that's a religious thing. Okay. And I'll still go to the to our Sikh temple to like to, to do our like prayers, like my like, prayer to God, like our God. Mm-hmm. And and etc. So that's what I take the things which which we believe in and we still follow it. Just we're a bit more we just do it in a, in our own way, but still doing the same thing. Yeah. Brilliant. And so moving on from sort of um racing and F three, when was when was the first time you realised that I can I've got I've got a skill. I can do it. Like when was that moment? So for me it was mainly my parents who who picked it up. For me as a driver, I don't think about if I'm gonna be good or if I'm gonna be bad. I just sit in the car and I just do the best that I can do with what I get given. And so what my dad has seen, because he's seen it ever since I started, he says that you somehow, wherever your like gift is, you just you you naturally just adapted quickly and you've just gone forward. Yeah. And no matter what kit we've got given or the car I get or the car I get given, I've always excelled. And it was mainly in in the rain because that's how we always started off and that's how i excelled and he just saw the potential and he goes okay well i think he's got something here because in the past before racing became even a thing my parents took me through all types of sport sport like football rugby tennis squash taekwondo you name it yeah and i've always loved it for about two three months but then i just lost the interest it's just the adrenaline for speed i know that sounds bad <laughs> no no I get, I get it completely um it's just the thrill of like acceleration the, like the top end speed going down a straight at 130 mile an hour yeah and, and just and, and just putting a race helmet on and then it's game on so when you when you got the call to to um from your dad to say that you, you'd be an f3 what was that like for you so he came to me at four in the morning when i was still asleep um as he always does whenever there's a a surprise so at first i i was i was in shock but i was still half asleep so i didn't really know how to feel um so there's my mom there's my mom and my sister who was literally jumping across the walls (laughs) well i'm just there still thinking what's happening (laughs) yeah and um and my dad's always said that i'd expect you to be jumping off the walls but you're so calm i'm like and I'm just there, you know, I'm half asleep. I'm just like, I don't know how to react. <laughs> like, I don't know if I should scream. I don't know if I should cry. I don't know if I should be running up and down the stairs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But in every situation, I've always been, and I've always been very calm. And, you know, my parents are still asking, like, are still asking me of how are you so calm? I mean, you just, like today, I secured the, like we secured our first sponsor, Mum is jumping up and down on a chair. Dad's like wandering around the house. I'm just sitting on the staircase, just like, yeah. <laughs> um, taking it all in. Yeah, just taking it all in. Then, yeah, that's apparently I've always been a calm person, and I think that's how it's always worked. Even when I win, won a championship, I was like, nice, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm just a very calm person, but I feel like when it gets a single seat as hopefully racing next year, then that will most likely change. Yeah. 
So you just saw the potential pretty much from my first practice day in the wet. Worst conditions imagined. And you just saw that I just moved forward. I was improving a second by each each session. I was improving by a second. And that's when he realized that, okay, he can drive. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's how my dad generally saw it. And he, when we just taking it forward till now. That's yeah. So, Sarah, we've talked about so your your dad and your your mum and your sister having pretty much a big influence on you during this career. What's yeah. it like outside of that and the relationships you have with them? Um, at home, it's literally is all chilled out. We talk about just raising in general what our next plans are. We just literally just have a laugh about it, and mm-hmm. um, we just try and all all work hard towards it. So like to, to afford like F3 testing and et cetera. Like I've, I've done like summer jobs, part-time jobs during college and uni to afford racing. Mum and dad are barely working. They're both self-employed. Yeah. Um, sister's working in London. And yeah, so it's, it's all, we keep the racing down on the low when we're like just, just our slot. Yeah. As you know, as you know what we're working towards. And then when it comes to a test day, they literally say just you do your job and we do ours. Mm. So they don't interfere much with me as they know that when we first enter the track, it's we leave everything, like all whatever problems or scenarios that we have, we leave them outside of the track and just focus on on what we're trying to achieve, because that's that's all our dream. Yeah, no, brilliant. And so, what is it like currently studying? Are you currently studying university? Yeah, I studied at Harvard University, studying motorsport engineering. Yeah, so what what is it like fitting that in around your racing? Is 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 it there of a conflict? Um, so what I try and do is I try and do as much uni work as I can. So if I've got a test in two weeks, I try and spend a lot of time doing my work and try and be ahead if I can. So mm-hmm. then. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to yeah. say like, oh no, I got this assignment due this is the day after the test. So I try and finish at a good point where I can afford to have like a day off to or a day off or two to just focus on more hand because I don't want to carry any worries or doubts going into going into racing because I don't I always try and have a clear head. Yeah. And if I don't have a clear head. I know my in myself I, I won't perform at my best because I'm always worrying about something. So I try and always be one step ahead to have the maximum benefit. Yeah, um, this, this is a quick moment, a cheeky question. Speaking about keeping a clear head, what is it like in the romantic side of things? Have you had time for relationships? Do you have time for to see the people? Yeah. How does that go? <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm in a relationship, yeah. Um, and luckily with, with the person I'm with, she she respects what I do and even herself, she doesn't interfere with what I do. And so it was, it was actually kind of funny. When when we first started sort of dating each other, yeah, ish, I invited her down to to, to one of my F3 tests in February. And I told her that for me personally it's there's a lot of trust because I don't just bring anyone to the track like Mm. that's my career you're going to see 
So I asked her, and the first thing she goes was, do you even trust me to come down? I said, I think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, going with what my, I'm going with what my gut is telling me. <laughs> and we first went, when she first saw, because it was at Silverstone, so we first mm. saw the Silverstone like banner, and she said, okay, that's actually Silverstone. I said, yeah, you can even take a photo in front of it if you really want to. <laughs> and, well, I'm a Ferrari fan, and she is as well. So I had a little moment to myself where we went over part of the track, and she recognized the corner, and she went, oh, that's where Sebastian Vettel, when he was a Ferrari in 2018, over to Hamilton to win the race. And I actually stopped the car and said, you ain't going anywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> you're stuck. Yeah, so I was like, you're, you're stuck with me now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And um, but yeah, she doesn't interfere and and she wants the best. Like, she wants me to succeed. And and to be honest, I I really cannot complain. Like, I try and make a healthy balance as well between, like for everyone. But the people that... I know they they want to be part of it and they know to respect it to not be in my face because I'm do I'm I'm here to do my dream like dream job. Yeah. So it's it's nice to know that people respect me for it and they know to and they respect the fact that I'll talk to them <coughs> when I when I have like even if it's five minutes mm-hmm. as this chat. So I'm very fortunate to have some good people that actually respect respect what i do and not use it for their own benefit no brilliant and so why is that trust thing so such an important thing in your life because racing has a big deal to me it's something that i use on a day-to-day basis i try and use it in every scenario even if it's just a day-to-day life problem i try and think right clear head and see what i can pull out from this Mm -hmm. and I know it's just the way I work that I personally just would like people that want to like basically they want to be there and they want to show they want to be there so a few examples is one of my old work colleagues like Jack shout out to him Hmm. um he I told him about the test in a week and he goes I'm going to pull strings to come down to this test like to me that shows my trust is not being lost because he done anything he can to just be there. And my other few friends there, they said, this has a date and we'll be down. And I told them a date and they showed up. Yeah. And my, my missus like tried to, but she's, she's Portuguese. So she's in Portugal, but she still showed like, she was watching the live timings on her, on her, on her TV. Um, and yeah, so that's that's why it's a huge thing for me, like to trust because I don't just want to have anyone in. So that's when it comes it comes back to that building up the resilience, like to not just let anyone in and whoever wants to be there, like will be there, kind of like proving themselves, you know. And I and I always say to them. If you turn up, you turn up. If you don't, you don't. It's like me saying, you're either in or you're out. Because firstly, for me, only being 21, 
I don't want to personally waste time. Sure. Because I've got other stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I get you completely. Like I'm trying to chase a dream here. <laughs> you know, but yeah. Yeah. And you said surrounding yourself with the right people is clearly very important. When it comes to building a team, F3, I don't know quite how it works, with mechanics and I don't know, maybe you've got a you've got a um someone to help you figure out strategy. How does that work? And how's that like strategy been building up the people around you? So the like the team would advise me like on what to do and then they would see like through the data that I do like the throttle trace, brake trace, gear shifting, yeah. where I'm lifting off and etc. And then we would build upon that and say, okay, you're doing good here, but you're losing a lot of time here. So they would pinpoint the entrance mid and exit of a corner where I'll say, and it could even be just me turning slightly after where I need to. Yeah. And that can be the time. And yeah, that's how like, I'll say like a team operates and I'll give them set up and say, okay, the car's understeering in this corner. And they would like adjust the camber or, or toe or may, may drop the pressure, like tire pressures, which is a massive factor as well. Mm. So that's how it would build relationships through that. Just helping each other out to get the, to maximize me and the car. No, sure. And so, you, I mean, we already said about, I think I'll, this question kind of answers itself, but in about five, six years time, clearly you see yourself becoming an F1 driver, but what are the steps for you to, to be able to do that? So what we're trying to do is aim for FIA Formula 3 for next year, which follows F1 on, on, on some races. So for example, FIA F3 would race at Silverstone the same weekend as Formula 2 and Formula 1. Yeah. So touch wood, if I perform, then could be scattered by a team and then like an F1 and then progress forward from there. So it'd be FIA F3 for a season or two. Then it'll be F2 for a season or two. And then, you know, if a seat becomes available because it's like a driver market, then it'll be F1. Okay. That's that's how it the game works. And so are you not worried about I mean for me time is is a big thing. Are you not worried about age at all? So that's not I've really been worried about too much as like it's not too late so yeah, starting racing. I mean take like Fernando Alonso, he's forty and he's still in F one. Yeah. Um so yeah, that I'm not as young as like the younger gen, like the younger guys who are in FIA F3. But if I do show like my worth, then it can work its way. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'll say too old for it. Um, but just a little late into it, but it could pay off. Yeah. And so do you find that the, the motorsport degree helps with the racing? It helps in some ways. Um, there's more of like the actual like engineering side with like the design of the car and and, and mechanically really as well, yeah. like everything of that. And so when it comes to the motorsport engineering, how hard is it to to not think of like you've got experience on track versus other people in the university? So in some modules it does help because I, I understand things that let's say my friends may not understand. Mm. So the racing like being a driver does help to an extent, but the degree is more of like designing, which 
which I can understand like with aerodynamics, downforce, basically the, the basics of it, but that's all I can really use for it, really. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to play those advocate here. If you've got a degree, if you're doing a degree, and you're trying to become a racing driver, does it not distract from it? And why, why would you just go, right, I don't want to bother uni because I'm really going to focus on my dream? Um, so with uni, I want to try and balance both because I'm going into final year. Yeah. So I guess, luckily, it's kind of timed perfectly as then I can also like have a, have a good job because I'm trying to aim to be like on the track side like as a job as well as obviously yeah. doing the racing as well so it it can help as well but for me like for the last year I'm going to focus on the studies as well which is important then if I have then if, if racing comes in into play as well then I'll have to just work harder and try and yeah. get ahead in my work so then I can afford at least one day off to do a test sure. or, or two so it's a lot of time management but i believe i can do it yeah and this this self-belief and this um clearly a brilliant work ethic where does it come from it's honestly just a lot of self-motivation and it's mainly my family and and my friends who say that you can do it if, if you put your head to it and honestly it's just having the right people around you and making a lot of sacrifices for it as well so I may not go to as many parties at uni just because I'm either just doing emails, sending it to sponsors or businesses, having early nights because I'm up at 5am going to the yeah. gym. So there's a lot of self-motivation involved and it's not easy, but I always, I always, I always think to myself that do it for your racing and it just kicks me into gear straight away. So racing itself just motivates me daily. So just to be a better person will be yeah. the best version of myself. And for those struggling with like motivation and stuff, what would you say are the key things that help you when you're, when you're feeling not your best? The advice I would say is no matter what negatives occur, keep fighting through it as there's always, there's going to be success eventually. You've got to fight through the negatives no matter how low it'll hit you. It will, it will help as well just to keep going as as I said before it it depend it, the situation changes if either you stay down or get back up yeah it may be slow steps but all I can say is trust the process and just keep your head down use use whatever you love most as a motivation as will help a lot more than than it says yeah and so it's is it do you think it's the helping you the, the, when you say I'm I'm not going to give up? Does that sort of help mentally when you when you look at it sort of that way? Yeah. So what so what I do is that I listen to like motivational speeches every now and again, and there's one in particular where I use it for training and and it always helps. One quote, which is from Billy Billy Alsbrooks in America, he's saying that 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 I like a champion's workout doesn't arrive until until pain like pain arrives yeah and as soon as i start to feel like in my training sessions or just pain in general that's when i know that success will eventually happen because i'm fighting through that barrier to get to the success yeah as you know success just doesn't fall out of the sky <laughs> no so i don't take anything for granted 
either I try and be as humble as I can and just accept whatever scenario I'm, I'm in and try and try to fix it or try to move forward with it. Yeah, I mean you're only you're only twenty one, so <laughs> I mean there's a lot there's a lot of people that that would um so they have lots of different viewpoints of yeah. this at, at our age. And so why is it important to you that you keep this sort of mentality? Because I was saying, did you say mentality? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say mentality is, I would say is very important as it's a make or break situation. But because obviously everyone's different out there. Like everyone's not the same. But I can only say so, like I can only say so much and it's, being honest is only that da- it's down to them yeah. to if they want to use it or not so i would say with everyone out there who's like different find something that you love which motivates you if you have love like for rock music or be a rock star yeah. and bands yeah. and, and stuff use that if you like art just do it for art <laughs> like just do something which you love like don't let anyone tell you otherwise about it so for me, it's been racing and I'm doing anything I can for it. And if you want something so bad, you do anything for it. No, fair enough. And so a question I do want to ask is outside of racing, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? I would honestly see myself as being in a motorsport related job trackside, like working with a driver, like being yeah. a race, being a race engineer going through data analysis, seeing, yeah, just being pretty much a, like a driver coach. Okay. Hopefully. Yeah. Brilliant. And so there's, there's a couple of questions I have that towards the end of the podcast and they're just, there's some silly questions that, you know, you, you get asked as a kid or whatever. And the first, those are it. What is your dream three car garage? Dream three car garage. I, I get asked that by, by my friends a lot. Um, of course. <laughs> I'd say one is a Ferrari four eight eight GTB, mm-hmm. a Lamborghini Performante, and a McLaren seven sixty five LT. Yeah, no, the, the, yeah, I agree with those. Sort of like, <laughs> <laughs> the McLaren, especially, I've got an obsession with that car. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a real, it's a real deep rooted sort of love. Well, but yes. it's just there is something about it. The, I don't know if it's British, if it's just it's crazy. But one day McLaren will sponsor this podcast, and it will be there will be proof. McLaren, of what the, <laughs> yes, McLaren, please. Oh, I mean, on that note, so what what sparks your love of Ferrari? It was honestly since the age of six, and when I saw a red car win, and I've loved it ever since. And then back last year in, in September. Um, I was lucky enough to go to like a Ferrari event. Yeah. And at that time, I didn't know what these Ferraris were. Like I've heard of them, but I didn't know what they were classified as. So they were called the XX program. And they're apparently hypercars, which are literally just used for track for track use only. Yeah. And they're loud, meaty 6.3 liter V12s. And they got F1 Curs technology, active aero wings. And hearing the sound of them, I felt like I was five, just screaming at a loud noise. Yeah. And then then they had the F1 Cliente program, 
and I actually saw the car that I saw on TV owned owned wow. by someone and hearing a V8 F1 engine at Silverstone I literally feel like I was six <laughs> again just watching the car I loved ever since and it was the 07 Jimmy Raikkonen F1 car but that is still going around the circuit yeah um, I've loved Ferrari ever since, just because of a red car won. <laughs> won a championship. No, I think it's the same when you like if you look at football teams, why, why people support certain football teams, it's like what's prevalent at that time. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's the team that stick with you the most. Yeah. So the next question is, you have one car um, and one track or road. Where are you going? What are you taking? I would honestly say the Ferrari FXX, Ferrari FXXK Evo and it would be on the autobahn just let it let it rip let it scream yep just let it scream and another thing what is it you most love about cars it's for me it's just being behind the wheel and having the car in your control feeling when the car is just about right on its like you're pushing it to the limit and the acceleration the top speed and in, in a straight line, handling through the corners, it's just this is awesome. Just to yeah. be behind a wheel, and honestly, just going down a straight at, at 150 mile an hour. Yeah, it's just and then suddenly going to like 30 mile an hour or 40 going in, going into a corner. It's just it's just, it's just a real feeling. Brilliant, and, and Sarah, you touched on some some great um, stuff during this podcast and, and, and advice for young drivers. But if you had to give one bit of wisdom or one tip to a budding racing driver or, or go-karter, what would you what would you give them? I'd say don't let anyone bring you down. Just continue with, with what you're doing, with what you have. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise about what you should do or, or shouldn't do. Just carry on on your path and eventually success will will come to you yeah um so thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure sorry for having me on. yeah no and like i say um all, all the best for your racing career in the future thank you so much hey there i want to give a huge thank you to this episode sponsor forge motorsport they are all about instilling confidence and enabling performance in everything they do and the point of this podcast is to help those listening forge the love of cars so, lucky podcast listeners, you are getting 15% off parts, tuning, and more to help you and your car perform confidently. To get that 15% off, visit www.ignitionpod.com or you can find the code in the show notes below. The code doesn't include brakes, but don't let it stop you from heading over there and making your project feel more race car than pace car. Forge Motorsport, thank you again for sponsoring the podcast and helping people do more with their passion for cars. If you enjoyed today's or any of our other episodes, please share them with at least three people you know who are in the car trade, love cars, or just find them interesting. If we can get one more person to listen, then that's one more person in my mission to help inspire people to do more with their passion for cars. Every conversation is a chance to learn something new and be amazed. After all, every human is unique and our story even more so. I do this podcast and meet people I would never have thought possible and making the most of the moment by sharing personal stories of pain growth and happiness and Seren crafted those stories with humility and compassion 
It is excellent to speak to someone my age, as it gives me a better understanding and perspective of what life is like for many people who share the same time on this earth, but have different life experiences. And I feel so grateful to be in the position I have never once experienced racism, discrimination, based on my appearance. Sure, you could say that's my privilege, talking, and you'd be correct. But for Saren, it's not quibbled him, and it's inbuilt his resilience, confidence, and motivation. Human skills that benefit you greatly if you can deploy them at the right time. Suppose you are listening to this and want to be a professional racing driver one day, or have dreamt of being one. Just know that it's not too late. Yes, you may not make it into F1, but don't let that realisation stop you from exploring the possibilities around the subject. If you look at Tom Irvin, one of our guests, I mean, the man is in a wheelchair, but is now crushing it with the help of Team Hard. So know this, it's never too late to chase your dream, and it's never too late to change your self-perception, because at the end of the day, your brain is what decides who you are, and if you set it towards that goal, you will inevitably hit it. And if you want it bad enough, you will chase it and achieve it. Just set your mind on it and choose small goals and stepping stones instead of placing that one big impossible goal at the top of your mind. So, with that being said, my name's Harry, and this is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening.